Good morning, everybody. I can't see y'all. There you are. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. I'm going to read a story for us. So you have a couple options, okay? We can look on the screen because the story is going to be on the screen behind me. Uh, if you want to open up your own Bibles or your Bible apps, John 11, we're going to talk about the raising of Lazarus. Uh, if you want to kind of close your eyes and just sort of get into the story, I would say do that too. Just don't fall asleep, all right? I'm going to ask for that. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and start. Here we go. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of, Lazarus, of Beth, uh, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was one, of the, uh, one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill, so the sisters sent a message, message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, rather it leads to God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard Lazarus was ill, stayed for two days longer in the place where he was. And then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going to go there again? Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. And the Jews who were there with, uh, who were, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. And they followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. And then again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb and it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there's already a stench because he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe you've sent me. And when he said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him, let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and who had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting for the, of the council and said, What are we to do? This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. 
Whew. All right, what stuck out? Don't be afraid. Somebody tell me something that stuck out to them. Don't be afraid. You can do it. Unbind him. Yeah, it's funny. He was a mummy. He was a legit mummy coming out. What else? Four days and he stinks. Jesus wept. Uh, one of two times in all of scripture that, that Jesus cries. Yeah. Two days. He waited two days. Yes. I mean, this story, listen, there's so much in this story. There's so much packed in here. I love that he waited two days. I love that he weeps. Um, my favorite part is that if you read the King, King James Version, Martha doesn't say there was a stench. Martha says, Lord, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> That's good stuff. That is quality stuff. I think we should start saying that about people. Whenever my kids need a bathroom, they're like, you stinketh. It's going to be great. Um, no, there's a lot happening here. Uh, and so we're in our miracle series with this big miracle, this giant miracle. Lazarus is raised from the dead. And like I've been saying every single week, I've been saying, um, I've been saying uh, let's, not, let's not focus on the binary. I don't want to know, did he really raise again or was he not raised again? I don't want to focus on that. That, to me, is not the point of the miracle. But what I want to ask is the same question I've always been asking. What happens when we can imagine this miracle happening? What happens in our lives when we can imagine this miracle happening? What, imagines in our ch- uh, what happens in our church when we can imagine this miracle happening? What can we imagine happening when Lazarus is raised from the dead? Okay, and so in order to talk more about this, what I want to do is I want to do a little bit of history on the book of John. Can you all follow me on a little bit of history for a minute? Yeah. That all right? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're the Gospels. They're the accounts of Jesus' life. Uh, Matthew and Mark are written to Messianic Jews who are under persecution. So whenever you read those books, read them kind of looking for hope, hope for the persecuted. That's, that's kind of a good lens in which to read. Luke is probably the most historically accurate of all the Gospels. If you want history and accuracy, look to Luke. He's the one that you want to go to. John is not very accurate. Okay? John is not writing so much for accuracy or for history. John is writing more for essence, the essence of who Jesus is. Okay. John is writing about 70 years after the time that Jesus leaves the earth. Okay, so at this point, you have an entire group of people who are, 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 have not been with Jesus. Right? They're, they're not the same eyewitness accounts. There's not the same um, uh, you know, daily day-in, day-out stuff with Jesus as you get from some of the other Gospels. Okay, so what you have to look for, what we have to look for when we look at the Gospel of John is we sort of have to look at the clues and the context, the story with inside the story because what Jesus is, or what Jesus, what John is trying to do is get to the essence of Jesus. Who was Jesus really? Okay, that's what's going on. We good? We following? So let's do that. Let's look at some of the context and some of the clues, all right? Um, here are a couple clues, a little bit of context that I really like. And I'll read it for you. It says this. Then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you. Are you going there again? The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up and quickly go out. Those are two different passages, okay? They both reference the Jews. These Jews are one and the same. They're the same people. So the same people that wanted to stone Jesus are the people that, uh, that are there consoling Mary and Martha. Okay, they're Jesus' enemies. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. In our scriptures, they're called the Jews, and this is completely unfair, okay? It's like lumping an entire group of people against Jesus. That's not fair. This was a group of local leaders, okay? A lot of times, Jewish people become the foil to Jesus' hero, 
right? I've been guilty of that, I know. Um, but these are a group of local leaders who lead the area of Jerusalem, who lead Jerusalem. Um, they're Pharisees, which means they're teachers of the law. Uh, they practice Judaism, but they're not an entire you know, group of people. They're not an entire religion. Um, and so why? Why is it that they want to kill Jesus? Why do they want to stone Jesus? Raise your hand if you have been to this church and you have heard me talk about the Roman Empire oppressing people. Exactly. <laughs> Okay? We've heard this over and over to the point where I'm a little bit tired of talking about how the Romans oppress people. But the Romans oppress people. And at that, um, what you have is you have a period of time where Rome is relatively dormant. Okay? They're not bothering Israel. In fact, Israel is allowed to worship right now kind of the way they want to worship. And these local leaders in Jerusalem are able to do kind of what they want to do. And in fact, we've talked about them doing some of the stuff they wanted to do. There's a bit of a racket going on. and They're really rich. And, and there's not a whole lot of oversight from Rome. So right now, the, 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 the religious leaders, the local leaders are like, don't rock the boat. Life is really, really good for us right now. Let's keep it really, really good. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus comes along and... Rocks the boat, right? Jesus starts healing people. Jesus starts speaking out against people who believe in the hierarchy of power. And Jesus starts giving people food and, and talking to people who he shouldn't be talking to, right? He's rocking the boat. And so that's why we read in the last part, it says, and I'll read it for us. It says, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation, right? There's a peace. There's a sense of... Yeah, this, is, this works for us. Don't mess with it. There's a, um, uh, you know, don't, 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 don't go on any journey. Don't say anything that might, that might upset this. What we have right now is balance. It's the status quo. And so the miracle hasn't even happened yet, and already we see Jesus challenging nationalism, status quo, social aspects of the community. Already this miracle is working to challenge those parts of our human lives. Okay, And then we get this from Martha. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would have not have died. I love that she calls him out. I think this is good for us. In our morning, we should be calling out God a little bit. It's all right. It's a good prayer. Uh, and he says, uh, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now again, John is speaking very directly to these, this group of local leaders. John's trying to get, to the, get you to the essence of Jesus. This resurrection on the last day was uh, believed by a very specific group of Jewish people. Okay, there's a lot of division, a lot of different thought around the afterlife uh, in Judaism as a whole. But this specific group believed on the last day, they call it the Day of Consolation, that on this last day, the Day of Consolation, everybody would be resurrected and everybody would be restored. Okay? And so now we have Jesus already, right? Already, before the miracle has even happened, is now speaking to disrupting nationalism, disrupting your social aspects, disrupting power, and disrupting your old ideas of religion. Do we see what Jesus is up to? you see what John the writer is up to? you see that a little bit? But what comes next is by far my favorite part. In fact, what comes next is the miracle as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I love it. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I love that. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And now we're going to get to the point, we're going to get to the why. Why did Jesus wait two days? Why does this story have Jesus waiting two days for Jesus' best friend to die? Why? <sighs> for that, I have to talk about training wheels. 
How many people had training meals growing up? This is so good. First service, there was like one person. I was like, does anybody ride bikes? But yeah, good for you, good. Um, yeah, training wheels. Training wheels are good things, right? How many people have kids who have used training wheels before? Okay, a few of us. And we watch our kids and we feel relatively safe because our kids are learning how to pedal and they're learning how to steer and they're, they're learning how to get a, a, a new mobility, kind of a newfound freedom, but the wheels are still on, so nobody's going to get hurt or fall. And then what happens when those training wheels come off? What happens? There is a promise. There is a guarantee. It is 100% that that kid or us, if we remember, we're going to get hurt, right? It's a promise. We're going to fall off. We're going to get bloody. We're going to skin our knees. My poor daughter, we took the training wheels off and she rolled right into a fence because that's what we're going to do. Like, we're going to do those things. I felt that's awful. Um, and if you're a kid, right, we can, let's put ourselves back at five or six-year-old selves learning, taking the training wheels off, right? When we're kids, we know it's coming, Right? And, it, and it freaks us out, and then we fall, and it is as bad as we thought it was going to be. And there is blood, and there are scrapes. And if you're a kid, it's about the closest thing as you can get to something like death. Right? It is. And then what do we do? Then we're like, keep doing it, right? And the kid has to get back on, knowing that that's going to happen again. There's going to be a bit of death. It happens again. It hurts. We have to challenge our kid, right? Our kid falls again. You know what? It feels like death again. It kind of stinks. It's something we have to mourn. Something our kid has to mourn. And then all of a sudden, one day, there's an incredible freedom. All of a sudden, that kid who is falling on the ground can now ride their bike to the bodega. And there is freedom when you can ride your bike to the bodega. <laughs> can I get an amen? amen? Yes. And then... You can ride your bike to your friend's house. And oh my gosh, there's a freedom I never knew I had. Like I could walk and I could sort of ride my bike, but now I could ride to my friend's house. And that's away from my dad. There's a bigger freedom. And then as I get even older, you can do what my friends in college did. You can ride your bike across the country. Oh my gosh, you have that kind of freedom. You have that kind of mobility. You have that kind of life in full. But first you had to hurt. And first you had to die. And it stunk. You might have mourned. And this is a miracle, because Jesus says, and I'll, I'll say it again, Jesus says, even though they die, they will live. And what I think this miracle is, is I think Jesus is inviting us to take the training wheels off. Jesus is inviting us to die a thousand little deaths. I think that's what Jesus is inviting us into. We see with the people, with, with the Jews, right? We see with the Jews that Jesus is inviting them. He's inviting them, to, hey, forget about status quo. Forget about the empire. There's a, li a greater life in full. Forget about your last day of the resurrection. The kingdom of heaven is here now. Believe that life is coming right now. That is life in full. You know, forget about all those, you know, you know what death was for Jesus? Not taking the journey, not taking the training wheels off, not moving forward. Death was hearing that there was an expectation and then deciding that you were just going to sit and stew in that expectation that didn't come to fruition. That's death. Expectations. Let's talk about that. When this church started, which, Grace, it was five and a half years ago, wherever you are. Grace said four and a half. I'm just, yeah. Anyway. Oh, and you started. Okay, fine. Anyway, when we started this church... Um, <laughs> We started this church, I wrote down, I wrote down uh, all these things I wanted to see happen, and I prayed through all these things, and I talked about all these things, and I can tell you that almost none of these things have happened. And I can tell you every single time there's this period where I'm like, am I doing this right? Do I even belong at this place? 
Is this, is this a church that I should be, we should have, you know? It, it's not working out the way that I plan. And so I sit in this spot, right? It's an expectation. Maybe we have this expectation. Man, I was, I was going to be married by this time. I was going to have kids by this time. I was going to be in this job at this time. And those of us who are married, we get married and we're like, oh, I thought it was going to be like this. And my spouse, they kind of suck. <laughs> be honest, people. Whereas my married people, be honest with me. I have kids, and I'm glad I have kids, but my kids, it's not the, it's not the child, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And so we get trapped in the expectations. We get trapped there. And I love what, I love what Jesus says. He says, you know, the disciples are like, why are we waiting? He goes, so you will believe. And I think what I hear Jesus saying is not so that you will believe, but he's saying, so you will not get stuck. That's what I hear him saying. So you will not get stuck in this expectation. That you'll be able to move beyond the expectation, beyond that thing that hurts. That you'll be able to pull the training wheels off and see that there is a life in full beyond the thing you thought. And it's probably greater than you've ever imagined. That's what I think the invitation is. Even though you die, you live. Even though you may die, you may live. Someone said to me the other day, they they said, um, you know what, Uh, religion... I used to believe this, and I used to believe that, and this is the way I thought about Jesus, and this is the way I thought about the Bible, and, and I didn't believe in any of it anymore, and I was just stuck, and I was there, and I didn't know what to do, and then to piece it back, and to learn how to read the Bible through new lenses, and to see Jesus in new and different ways, all of a sudden, like, it was way better than I ever imagined, and like I always say, it was good news, right? It was good news when I never realized it could be good news, and another woman wrote on Twitter, and it was pretty cool. She was like, I used to be a super conservative Christian, and then Michael Brown died, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, because Jesus had abandoned me, and she's like, and it was only then that I realized that Jesus came to save Michael Brown and me, and that was a bigger and better faith. It was life in full. Juby, my wife, asked what we were talking about. I said, we're going to talk about raising Lazarus, and she goes, ooh, when we got married, she's like, when we got married, there was this expectation I had that you were going to be smart, and you were going to understand my culture, and, and we, weren't going to be, we were going to be okay, and I realized it was nothing like I thought it would be, and I went away and cried for a little bit. No, but the point is this, but the point is we've been married for almost 15 years, and I don't think things are anything like we thought they would be, but I think we've learned a lot. And I think maybe they're better than we thought they would be because of it. Expectations change. And I think about the fact that we have expectations around friends and we have expectations around addictions and we have expectations around a lot of stuff that hasn't been mentioned here. And it's like, yeah, this is the thing I have and it's not there and it's gone and it's broken and maybe it's time to die to it. Maybe that's what we're being taught today. Maybe it's time to die to whatever that might be. Because when we die to it, we get life in full. And so what happens is when we get life in full, when we die to it, the expectations weren't met for Mary and Martha. They come out and they're angry and upset. And Jesus says, let go of that expectation because here comes life in full. And Lazarus comes out looking like a mummy. <laughs> and he gets unwrapped. And everybody, everybody does believe. We get to see what life in full is. This is a miracle that invites us to die a thousand deaths so that we may live a life in full in Christ, so that we may see there's something better and more freeing than we could even imagine when we let go of it. We see what happens when we don't let go. When we don't let go, we become like the local leaders going, oh my gosh, this amazing, incredible thing happened right in front of our faces, but we don't want to upset the status quo, so we're going to kill it. But what if we die a thousand deaths? What kind of life do we get then? 
So here's what I want us to do today. You see this board? You see our boards? Last week we tried to imagine, right? Imagine what our church could be like if we raise the money that our church needs and not only raise it, but we have like a surplus of money. Like what would we do? Imagine it. And here's what I want you to write today. When you come up here, I want you to take that sticky note that's on your seat and I want you to think about the thing you have to die to. What do you have to die to? What's Jesus calling you to die to today? And then I want you to imagine what it might look and feel like when Jesus calls you to live, when the miracle happens, where you get to live the life in full that Jesus brings. Um, I love standing up here. I love leading our church. I love all of it. Um, And I think one of the things that I've continued to think about really for the past six months is what would happen if I sort of give up some of my time, my power, my privilege that I have, and I allow other voices to speak, and I allow others to be heard. Um, What happens when I give that up? And I think when I die to that like need to like just be up here and just be like, I think we hear from a multitude of voices with a multitude of perspectives and a multitude of experiences and our church gets stronger and it gets better and it grows. And so today what I'm saying is I'm going to give up a little bit of that privilege and power that I have so that other voices can be heard because I imagine that when that happens, our church grows in some really amazing ways. What will you give up? Think about it. And when you come up and when you put your, 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 your thing on the board here and you come over and you take communion, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the fact of the ultimate death and resurrection, right? Let's celebrate the fact that in Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus says, I walk with you in all that pain and all those missed expectations and all the ways you want to keep status quo. I walk with you in it. And in Jesus' death, Jesus says, all the suffering, all the stuff that didn't work out the way you thought, I walk with you in it. And it does not have the last word. Resurrection, life in full, the kingdom of heaven, that is what wins the day. And it was true for Lazarus, and it's true for every one of us. What can you imagine when you imagine Lazarus being raised from the dead? A miracle of life in full. Amen. Father, give us the courage to trust that there is something better than our expectations. Give us the courage to die to those things. Give us the courage to take off the training wheels. Give us the courage to move that one step so that we may live in your kingdom here on earth. Your kingdom come. Lord, give us the courage to journey and give us the courage to fall flat on our face. Give us the courage to mourn, to be in pain, to weep. Give us the courage to stink. And then give us the courage to come back and know that we have life and full in you more than ever. We pray this in your name. Amen.